This is Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN 927's digital channel Carnival. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to another edition of Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN 927's digital radio channel Carnival via the RSN Racing and Sport app and rsn.net.au. This program is available as a podcast from Thursday mornings by either going to the RSN website and searching for the Women's Australian Rules Football page or finding us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify or SoundCloud and searching for Women's Australian Rules Football Radio. Coming up on this week's program, we'll be catching up with Essendon VFLW star Hayley Bullis. Also on the way, our international footy wrap with Michael Corain from the AFL Island Women's Competition and Shannon Power from the AFL London Women's League. We'll also be catching up with Lauren Hodgson to preview the next round of the AFL Sydney Women's Competition. Stopping by will be Ant Wingard looking at the QAFLW competition from up in Queensland. And of course, Matthew Cox reviewing another round of VFL Women's Football. That's all on the way. And joining us on the line now here at Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN 927's digital radio channel Carnival, we've got on the line a VFLW Team of the Year member from 2018, part of the leadership group at Essendon, and very happy with their win over Carlton a couple of weeks ago. It's great to have on the line Hayley Bullis. Hayley, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm feeling fantastic because we're in the midst of football season and you must be feeling great. You're just coming off the bye. Uh, I guess a little bit of time to soak in that victory against Carlton just a couple of weeks ago at Windy Hill. Yeah, absolutely feeling really refreshed after having that bye week. But, um, yeah, it was pretty awesome to, to finally get a win, um, very much deserved from um, us. So it was really nice to finally solidify that one. We'll go into depth on that in uh, in a moment's time. But first of all, we're going to step back and have a look at your footy career. If I'm correct, I think it was something like under nines you first picked up the footy uh, at Maroolbark? Yeah, yeah, under 11s at Maroolbark. I was nine, I believe, and um, playing with the boys, which was um, a bit daunting to start with. And, yeah, ended up bringing a few of um, my girlfriends down from primary school and, and got them to join to us. I think there was three of us girls on the side and, yeah, there wasn't really much of a pathway back then, so I kind of gave it up after a year, which is a bit unfortunate, which I kind of stuck at it, but I started um, going down the path of basketball on playing that, trying to get a bit more serious through there, but my height was always an issue. Um, but yeah, just picking up all different sports along the way and then finally found footy again when I was in year eight and um, went down to Chernside Park. Safe to say footy's always been in your family. Your stepdad, uh, Andy, played for Richmond and Melbourne and your stepbrother, uh, Tom, played down at Coburg. Yeah, I played at Coburg and now um, he's just moved to Port Melbourne, so the leading ruckman there, which is exciting. And good to see his career continuing on, but maybe you'll beat him to national level. We'll talk about that uh, all very shortly. <laughs> but can you talk about coming back to Churnside Park and trying to fall in love with the game again? What got you to come across? Particularly, you're in an era where not many girls are playing youth girls football, and I think it was roughly around then the barriers were started to be removed that allowed girls obviously past the age of 14 to play some underage football without yet having to play seniors. Yeah, absolutely. So... I, um, I just started off at high school, so year eight, started playing um, inter-school sports and footy was one of one of the options, so I, um, I joined joined up there and one of the girls, one of my good friends actually, she was like, there's actually a women's, a, a youth youth girls group down at um, Chernside Park. I'm like, no, there's not. And she's like, yeah, there is. You should come down. And so obviously, I find it very daunting heading down for the first time to a new side and into a new, new sport. Um, and I've always been, you know, kicking the footy at half time at my brother's footy and Andy's footy when he's been playing for years. So 
um, I was just like, yeah, right, I'll go down and give it a shot and, and never looked back. So footy's always been um, probably my first point of call since then. So it's pretty exciting and I'm glad I ended up picking it up again and falling back in love with it. So, yeah, really grateful for that. You weren't alone in uh, finding Churnside Park. As you mentioned, your school friends, but also your sister Sam went to play for Churnside Park. Yeah, my sister Sam. So um, I brought her down as well and I brought a lot of other school friends down too and um, Jade Van Dyke, who plays for Carlton, so I played with her for a number of years as well. Um, and yeah, I was really fortunate to form a lot of friendships and to um, yeah excel my football there and and find I guess um, new skills and, and development through that too. So it was just more of a social aspect down at Chanside Park for me personally, and um, I wanted to better my football. So that's when I head on over to, to Diamond Creek for a year, which is um, a good step for me. Well, Chanside Park helped build you up uh, to head towards Diamond Creek because um, it was a very good side there at actually Chanside Park. A number of finals campaigns. Yeah, it was good. Uh, I think I played in maybe two grand finals there and, and, a, and a lot of finals. So, unfortunately, I haven't won one yet, but hopefully I get that in the coming years. Now, before going to Diamond Creek, was the link to eventually go there through uh, trying out for the AFL Victoria Women's Football Academy? Yes, yeah. So, um, I did do that. I can't remember what. I met that might have been 2016. Um, I went down there and I was lucky enough to be, I guess, hand-selected and, and invited down to um, down there at Essendon Footy Club, how ironic, to, um, to yeah, join that footy academy and like formed a lot of great friendships again and my skill development and um, game sense and just training with elite athletes and girls who, who want to make it um, was just another level up. It was incredible. So, uh, I definitely, I guess my professionalism grew grew from then on as well and um, and my skills and I still had a long way to go but I knew that that was just the beginning for me and um, I had a lot of support there too and, and a lot of belief in me as well. So it was just kind of bettering myself, my footy skills to then go on to the, that next level which um, ended up, yeah, being, um, being Diamond Creek VFLW side which I was in and out of. Um, with the Division One side, and yeah, we got both got to the grand final as well in that year, which was very exciting. Now, prior to yourself going through the academy and joining Diamond Creek, how would you describe at that point yourself as a footballer? Um, that's a great question. Uh, I think I was still discovering um, how good I was at football, and I knew that I had a long way to go. I knew I wanted to make it. And I was determined to make it, but I wasn't even nearly there yet. Um, I guess that year, uh, I kind of realized that I can develop quickly. And um, that was really exciting to me as well. And I think uh, a few other people like Graham Burgess and that saw my potential and saw that I can develop quickly and, and I'm determined to um, to get there and to develop and take everything on. So uh, that was that was when I kind of knew that I will get there. It's just going to take a bit of time and it's going to take hard work. When you make that step up to Diamond Creek and starting to play in a more professional environment, of course, you get more professional again when you get to Essendon. How long, realistically, did it take for you to feel comfortable in that environment of just taking that step up, being able to train and perform at that next level? Yeah, I don't think I really, in that first year of playing PSL football, I don't think I really felt comfortable and, and my confidence wasn't really there in that first year. 
whenever I was playing Division One, I would always excel. But then as soon as I'd go up to that BFL level, I just I wasn't quite there yet with my development. Um, I guess mentally with my confidence. So I think that's very underrated, um, and it's not talked about enough that how much confidence can influence your football and influence your game. So um, that was a big learning curve for me that year. I thought that, you know, I was ready I was ready to take that next step and I was ready to be there. But once I got there, I just I wasn't performing as well. And, you know, I had lots of opportunity. I think I played about six games, which was um, which I was so grateful for and, and I learned a lot in those six games. So but it was just I wasn't I wasn't performing um, my best at all and I was learning a lot but I yeah just wasn't performing unfortunately. So I just want to mention a handful of names. These are the names that uh, joined Diamond Creek at roughly the same time. So this is the quality that you were playing with. First of all, you had Jess Kennedy, who would go on to be a Richmond VFLW captain. You, you're 185th, by the way, on the honour roll at the Diamond Creek Women's Football Club. 176, Jess Kennedy. 177, uh, future Collingwood AFLW vice-captain, Emma Grant. At 178, uh, current full-back down at uh, the Southern Saints in uh, Clara Fitzpatrick. 179, uh, former Carlton and Brisbane Lions AFLW footballer, Isabella Eyre. Also in your group, at 180, Sophie Abitangello, who would go on to play with North Melbourne AFLW. I'll skip ahead to 182, where you've got Karen Harrington, who plays the Carlton AFLW. At 184, North Melbourne AFLW footballer Ash Riddell. And also, just before you, at 181, a woman known as Chloe Malloy, NAB (laughs) AFLW Rookie of the Year for 2018. I had a lot of support, and I I guess I had a, um, a lot of great women around me, which was pretty awesome when you put it that way. <laughs> How amazing is that, that I got to play with all these wonderful people and um, and got to learn from them too. So they've all been very successful and they've been ready. So I just, I just got to wait for my turn. What's it like being in an environment with them? Is it, uh, is it a case of you just don't even think about it? Hey, your friends, your buddies, you're going out having a drink afterwards, whatever. Or, or is it intimidating, particularly for you, your first year stepping up from the lower divisions of the VWFL to State League? Do you almost look around almost intimidating going, as much as you're on the same team, it's like, oh, I've got to try and outperform her and oh, I've got to try and outperform her? Yeah, I guess it was a bit like that. And, um, yeah, the, the latter, I think... Um, yeah, it definitely was a little bit intimidating. And especially kind of like Steph Yochi and um, you had just just every all the AFLW girls in in like Shay Audley and um, yeah, all those girls. It was it was pretty amazing playing alongside them and I guess I didn't watch a whole heap of AFLW football back then, but I knew uh, I knew some names here and there and I preferred not to know so that I didn't intim- um, didn't get too worked up and intimidate myself. But it was definitely like that. I, I was intimidated nonetheless, and that affected my confidence. I just, I was worried to get the ball because I was worried that I wouldn't perform. And um, at the end of the day, that's kind of what it was for me. But I, I took that next step once I went to Essendon, and um, yeah, and I was able to perform there last year, which which I was pretty grateful for. And that's because I had that confidence um, surrounding me, starting from the ground up. I guess you had a lot of girls at Diamond Creek who've been there for ten plus years. Um, Everybody was so welcoming, and and I was really grateful to have that opportunity. But it was um, it was intimidating, absolutely. Yeah, you are right. So let's talk about the move to Essendon because it was the end of the 2017 season. Diamond Creek and a few other sides 
took the bow and left the stage from the VFLW level, replaced by uh, AFL clubs with their VFLW teams. Uh, considering that you're actually from the eastern suburbs and at Dixon's Creek Way and you were playing out at Churnside Park, technically you, you, your closest club, I believe, around then was um, uh, was the Box Hill, now known as the Hawthorne Hawks. What led to the decision to actually join with Essendon? Yeah, well, I was a bit worried because I caught up with um, Ashradale and a few other girls um, from Diamond Creek and I was like, you know, what's your, what's your move going forward? There's no VFL team at Diamond Creek anymore. Um, what are your choices? And um, Scotty had already contacted Ashradale to go down to North and uh, or Melbourne Uni, sorry, and I had a few other friends who, who went down to Hawthorne and I hadn't got a call from anyone yet and, I was, and I'd reached out. I reached out to Richmond um, and I didn't hear anything back, and I was like, okay, I don't know if I'm even going to play football this year. I kind of lost a little bit of love because I lost that confidence um, throughout, yeah, being at Diamond Creek, and I was just like, I don't know where I'm going to go from here. Do I just give it up for a little bit and just kind of come back to myself and focus on uni and focus on work? Um, and then I was like, enough, I got a call from Carlton, and um, they wanted me to head down there, and I also got a call from, from Essendon, so... I had to make the decision of what club to be at. And um, at the end of the day, I, I chose Essendon. So they just had a really great club culture. They handled things really well. And, um, yeah, they just made me feel really welcome. And I just loved all the girls there. The the vibe there was, was great to start with. And I also wasn't sure where I would fit being at a club who had AFLW girls coming back into the program too because – um, of the season that I had the year before. So I thought the best for my, thing for my development, um, I guess, would be going to Essendon and hopefully um, getting some game time so that, you know, I can perform and I can learn and I can develop um, throughout the season. Does it naturally bring a different mindset to training and preparing, walking into a club like Essendon with a multi-million dollar facility mm-hmm. compared to Diamond Creek, which is, at, at best, it's a semi-rural club? Yeah, and I think that works better for me. Um, I found that, I guess, coming in, you have elite facilities, you have elite mindsets of everybody around you, as well as um, the staff and the support that you have, the belief from the club. And I think also um, Diamond Creek were a standalone club, which was awesome, and I loved that. And coming into a club, I was a bit nervous that, you know, we we wouldn't be equal and we wouldn't have that equality throughout the side and throughout the club. And... um, but I was really surprised and I, um, yeah, I'm really, really um, amazed by the support that they give the women's side and the equality that they bring to the program. Like we get everything that the VFL men do as well, which so we should. And um, yeah, we train just as hard as they do and, and we're there just as much as they are, if not more. So um, I absolutely am wrapped with the way that they have um, uh you know, provided the women's program and built that there. So I want to focus on your coaches for a moment. Um, at Diamond Creek, you were coached under Scott Gowans, who, of course, would go on to coach not only Melbourne University in the VFLW, but as we now know, North Melbourne, Tasmanian Kangaroos in the AFLW. And Brendan Major, who's been around women's football a bit longer, coaching formerly at the Eastern Devils, actually coached the Victorian uh, stateside against New South Wales ACT and, of course, is now coaching at Essendon. Uh, can you explain the different styles between Scott and Major? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, yeah, Scotty definitely knows what he wants and he knows exactly um, what each player can bring to the table. And he hand selects each person just as you've seen, uh, sorry, seen with 
um, North Melbourne. He has hand-selected each player because he knows what each player can bring um, throughout through their game and, and personally as well. Whereas um, Mage, he sees, I guess, both what they can bring and also um, the future and what, I guess, they can develop into and um, what he can mould them into being as a player and their potential. So I think, yeah, that's, that's really awesome to have him leading us at Essendon and um, taking everybody under his wing. He sees the potential of everybody in the side. So I think he can definitely see how far I've come from coming to Essendon and, and how far I've got to go. So he is very supportive of me. And can I also about to, I guess, with Dublin assisting coaches because um, a playing coach was Tanya Hetherington with you last year. Um, of mm. course, GWS Giants playing was your teammate at Diamond Creek and actually coached the Creekers in 2016. And Lauren Moorcroft, of course, uh, uh, who was in defence at Essendon, is now, of course, uh, assistant coach at North Melbourne Tasmanian AFLW. Can you describe about these two women, Tanya and Lauren, and uh, how obviously their coaching styles are and how you think they'll be going when it comes to an AFLW career in the coaching ranks? Yeah, well, I think they both bring so much to the table. They've, you, they were, well, I know... Um, LJ, she sorry, Lauren Moorcroft, she was um, she was player and a coach, so I think that benefits her majorly because she's also a school teacher as well, and and that really helped her out with her coaching. So she really brings so much to the table in that aspect with um, knowing how each player can handle their information and um, and their feedback and the criticisms and and what they need. I think her teaching background. Um, yeah, is, is a great tool for her as well as um, being a player previously and knowing how each player plays individually when she plays with them. So um, it was awesome to have her on board last season and um, shame we lost her, but it, that happens in football. I'm, I'm glad to see that she's succeeding. And um, Tani, yeah, she's just gone on. She's a superstar. I mean, she still comes down and watches um, our games and, and helps out here and there with, I guess, personal feedback for me and um, watching opposition sides and she's always um, she's got so much integrity and, and so much heart so she just personally she's very personable and, and, and approachable so I think that is one of her biggest strengths. And I'll name another woman as well. Can you describe playing alongside Jessica Trend, uh, who you played alongside with in the midfield mm-hmm. last year and of course she would go on to be selected into the AFLW and play with North Melbourne? Yeah, I mean, she is one of the funniest people that I know. <laughs> she brings a lot of character and a lot of fun to any program that she's in. Um, she has a lot of knowledge. She is very composed and she's just, she's just, yeah, a, a star player. She, um, I'm so happy for her that she has gone on and finally, um, reached her goals and, and, um, her dreams of becoming an AFLW player. I know that was, she had a bit of a setback with her ACL. So, um, it's been pretty awesome to see her thrive in that environment. Now, to clear our hand, inside the uh, Women's Australian Rules Football Radio Commentary Box, there is a number of Essendon supporters. I am one of them. How did it feel last year? It was a struggling year, a development year for the women's side in, in its first year with Essendon in the VFLW. Coming into a club and not having the wins on the board yet, in particularly in a club which is, uh, you know, it based and it prides itself on, on premiership success. Yeah, I mean, we've just got to trust the process and Mage says that a lot. You just got to, we've just got to trust the process. We knew that in the first year we weren't going to um, be a dominating side and that was something that 
um, we came into and we knew and um, it was disappointing nonetheless only one, that we won one game very disappointing but we just got to trust the process and we knew that um, the development over the pre-season getting a proper pre-season under our belt knowing what it needed to entail and um, what everybody needed to do to get there and, and as it's shown this year already we've um, we've come close the first two games like lost by three points in the first game and lost by five points in the second and then we finally got a win so um, I'm glad it was at the start of the season and now hopefully we can just keep that streak going and um, against Hawthorne this weekend get another win. Yeah, let's talk about that. A couple of frustrating losses, those first two, but I guess the positive feeling, oh, we're getting there, we're getting there. And then you had a big loss against Richmond. What did Major try to do to keep the group together? Because at that stage, it could have tipped either way. It could have gone the other way of all of a sudden, here's Mm. another run of losses. What did he do to get the mental focus back on track of, no, let's get back to where we were in those first two games? Yeah, I think we all knew that um, altogether – it just wasn't wasn't our day. It wasn't our game. Um, we knew that that was wasn't how we played, and it was a bit of a shame that I guess um, we let the team down and the club down in that aspect. But um, it was just having I guess a week where we reset. We just focused on what we needed to focus on, and um, just bringing our game back into it because we really let that um, let that go in that Richmond game. We didn't contend as well. We didn't compete as much. And um, our pressure wasn't nearly as um, as good as what it had been in the past. And we just, yeah, I think it was, it was intimidating playing against Richmond. They're a really good side. And um, that might have got to a lot of girls. But we were able to reset, refocus and come out strong against Carlton. So next time um, we birth them, it won't, we won't be the same team at all. So it's that's really exciting that we're able to bounce back as, as quickly as what we have after, um, I guess, a few losses and after a really tough game. What did it mean to actually beat Carlton? Not just because it was the first win of the year, but a side that, let's be honest, in the last round last year, they gave you a bit of a touch-up at Windy Hill. <laughs> yeah, they sure did. So to win on our home ground um, with, I guess, a lot of um, fans and, and support there was pretty awesome and um, especially considering last year they, they definitely flogged us a little bit. Um, so that was really, really special. Um, yeah, coming out with another win on our home ground. So second one and also how VFL men won as well and the v- and the AFL men won against Carlton too. So it was pretty exciting to have all three um, teams have a win across the weekend, which was awesome. Let's talk about that win and some of the players on the side that you've managed to pick up during the off-season that um, have strengthened you. One of them, in fact, Ali Anderson from the Brisbane mm. Lions. Can you talk about her impact on the squad? She has so much knowledge and, um, it's yeah, it's been awesome to have her in the midfield developing myself um, and giving up her, her knowledge and, and what she knows. Uh, all Australian, she's an incredible person as well as an incredible athlete. So uh, she's really brought a lot of professionalism and, and a lot of knowledge to the club. So um, I know that not only me, but everybody else around her learns from her every training session, every game. There's always something um, that she, you know, pipes up about and, and that she knows is always um yeah, really good to, to bring up and bring to all of our attention, which we don't always think about. So it's, it's, it, she's been an um, integral part of our midfield, which has been great. 
Everyone praises your tackling, but you've now got some some serious assistance there in the side when we talk of veterans such as Cecilia McIntosh and your former Diamond Creek teammate in Shea Audley. Yeah, they've both come out firing. Um, it's been it's been really good to see them thrive within our side too, and uh, I'm glad that they are bringing that that tackling pressure and just that pressure overall. I know. Um, our backline's been working tough the last few weeks too and, and they've been showing um, immense improvement as well. So, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been awesome. And, of course, sprinkling some more AFLW talent in there, Hayley Dravine, and, of course, the return this year of Maddie Collier. Yeah. I mean, Hayley Dravine has been somebody who I um, haven't played with before and, and didn't know before coming in. So, um she had a couple of niggles to start with, but she's come in firing and um, the last game she played was, was a ripper. So I'm excited to see her improvement throughout the season too. She provides that tough inside mid. Um, and then also Mads Collier, she is just, she's a star. She just hits targets. She's provides so much composure and um, tenacity and she's so determined. She's, is one of probably the most professional women and hardworking women that I um, that I know in in football. So it's really great to work with her and to work alongside her. I'm really proud to have her as a teammate. And great to have back in the side Sunbury girl Alex Quigley, who played her first game for the year against Carlton in that uh, round four match and uh, three goals. Yeah, she's been working really really hard. I think she's the fittest that um, I've ever seen her and. She's been working super hard over the pre-season to, to make the side. I mean, we have so much potential and so um, many great athletes in the program now that um, it's really hard to, to pick who's going to be in the side. I mean, uh, but she's definitely up there with, with the top and, and she's been working really hard to get there. So she deserved every minute of that. So I'm really happy to have her back in. One last name I want to talk to you about is uh, Courtney Eugle, who's taken over as captain this year. Can you talk about Courtney's leadership style and how it differs as well compared to Lisa Brown, formerly Lisa Williams, who, of course, is at least at the moment Mm. spending the season off as you'll be expecting a baby around, I think, September, October? Yeah, I mean, it's been awesome to have Eugle step up and into that role. I mean, we all chose her for a reason and she's um, very approachable, very personable and uh, she brings just a unique leadership. She just goes out there and um, it just is so natural to her, which is, I guess, it was the same with Lisa. Um, they're, they're both very similar in that aspect. Um, Hugh just practices what she preaches and she does that every day of the week. And I think everybody is always um, inspired by her and, and knows how much integrity she has and... Um, and how hardworking she is. So it's you, you want that in a captain, and, and she provides that. So it's been really good to have her step up into that role, and she she leads us very well. So very happy to have her. I believe, if I'm correct, yourself and Courtney went over during the summer to Perth to try out with the West Coast Eagles. Can you tell us how all that came about? Yeah, we are really lucky to um, get an invite over there and, and try out for the West Coast Eagles Academy. Um we just went for a couple weeks. Uh, it was a 10-week program, so we were just uh, lucky to be able to get over there and, and um, substitute footy, well, SNN and um, my uni and work and 
very flexible, so it was really nice to, to get over there and develop my skills, put myself out there and and show them what I've got to hopefully get drafted um, by, yeah, 2020. So fingers crossed for the end of this year and fingers crossed I get picked up, but they've been incredible over there. They have a really great program and I'm excited to see where that takes them. You know, they don't not only look at um, the skills and, and ability of each individual, but they also look at character and they've handpicked everybody perfectly. Everybody there was, uh, yeah, in, in, incredible. Can you talk about trying to, I guess, pick yourself up again during the off-season, considering that by the end of last year, you had a competition high average of 10.5 tackles a game. You were named in the forward pocket in the VFLW team of the year, which is usually a good indication that you could be picked up in the AFLW. But like Ash Riddell and Sophie Abatangelo the year before, you were overlooked by the AFLW clubs. Uh, can you explain, I guess, the feeling at that stage? And who was the first to, to pick up the phone to talk to you to say, come on, let's refocus and let's go again in 2019 yeah I guess um I wasn't too disappointed and uh, I thought that I thought that I might get picked up and I would have been absolutely stoked if I did but I guess I just trusted that it just wasn't my time it wasn't my time yet I wasn't ready yet and looking back on it um if I had have got picked up I don't think I would have been ready whereas now I'm ready I'm ready for it and um, I guess I've developed my skills. I've worked on everything that I needed to work on that I guess um, AFLW clubs coming in have spoken to me about and I just need to um, keep honing in on that. And I think I'm I'm showing um, a lot of good signs for this coming um, draft and this coming season. So I'm just really focusing on Essendon now and having a good season there and, um, yeah, putting my practice into play and just trying to develop myself personally. And then if I know that I've done that then, and I've done all I can do, then hopefully I get picked up. If I don't again, then it's, it's just not the right time for me and, and that's okay as well. And um, I just got to refocus and, and focus on 2021 then. And, um, yeah, so Mage was, Mage was one of the first to um, pass me a message and say, tough luck, but let's just refocus. Let's get down, set some goals and um, coming into – yeah, 2020, hopefully um, you get a chance then. I want to talk about another red and black for a moment. You actually represented the RMIT Redbacks at the Uni Sport Division mm-hmm. One Nationals. Uh, you're studying there at the moment, I believe, a Bachelor of Applied Science in Health and Physical Education. Um, How did you end up choosing RMIT to study with? And, of course, what was like playing with the RMIT Redbacks? And thirdly to that, becoming their Academy Ambassador. Yeah, well, I um, was just lucky enough to be playing with a friend, so Emma Fraser, and she studied there, so she's just finished her um, her bachelor degree, and she was like, one of the best, um, come on down. I ended up actually getting into Deakin, and um, and I was like, it's just so far away from Essendon. How am I going to go all the way to Geelong and then come to, um, to Essendon to, to play as well? So... I was just lucky enough that she kind of um, said, come on down to RMIT. I gave them a call and um, applied there. And, yeah, I was lucky enough to, to get in there. So very grateful. They've been so supportive of my um, my endeavour to, to reach AFLW and um, and my career at Essendon as well. So they support me with my timetables and my assignments and, and pushing all those back. So um, that's been really good for me. Um been meant to be as well so I'm really happy with that and um, yeah they the RMIT Redbacks the Nationals um, played up in Queensland the end of last season 
um, got to the grand final. Unfortunately, um, we lost. So hopefully this year is, is our year. And um, they've just had their, yeah, they're just um, building on their program, which is brand new in the VASA this year. So um, RMIT Redbacks, the um, Women's Football Academy. So that's been really good for them. They've got two um, teams. I think it's Premier Division or Division 1 and then Division 2 team as well. Um, they haven't been doing great, but they are seeing progress and development as well. So they're not just um, a football club. They're a football academy trying to develop girls to then go on and play um, in the VFL sides as well. So they have a partnership with Essendon. And I guess because the partnership with Essendon and, and studying there as well, they just asked, you know, if they thought that I'd be a great fit for um, the ambassador role. So I was lucky enough to, to get asked to um, hop on board there and, and yeah, be the ambassador for the Women's Football Academy. So I couldn't pass up that opportunity of promoting women's football and especially at a community level that does so much um, that does so much to provide jobs and, and I guess education and um, with their, their clinicians as well coming down and being trainers. So they've got a lot of support and, and great facilities there too. So... I couldn't pass up that opportunity. And through that study, uh, what career are you hoping to have in sport, off the field, and uh, Essendon assisting in any way? Yeah, well, I guess I'm open to absolutely anything. Like, I love football, but I, with my degree, I would love to um, be a PE teacher. So I'm a health and PE teacher once I'm qualified, once I finish this. Um, and, yeah, I guess it's... Um, something that I'm really passionate about, educating young girls and, um, and young boys as well and uh, bringing up the youth and, and showing them, you know, a great future and having that impact on them. So, no, I think I'll, I'll do a good job at that. Just quickly looking ahead to your game against Hawthorne this Saturday, 11.30am out there at Windy Hill. Do you feel this is your golden opportunity to knock them off? As you said, you're coming off a win, albeit with a buy-in there. Hawthorne's form has been a bit inconsistent. Is this the chance to chalk up your first win against the Brown and Gold? Yeah, absolutely. I think we have what it takes and and we'll bring um, what it takes as well. So we... Are really excited to have this opportunity and um, and coming off a win, just got to keep the ball rolling and, and keep our heads held high. Like I, I know um, Hawthorne have had a bye week as well, so everybody's, I guess, going to be feeling refreshed and, um, yeah, we're, we're ready to hit hard. We're ready to contest and, um, and win this game. Now, final question. I normally ask this to AFLW footballers, so I'll put a slight skew on it for you. Hmm. What would it mean to you if you were to see in the future your name there, if you type in a Google search, it would say Hayley Bullis, AFLW footballer? I think I would feel proud. I would feel proud of myself. I mean, that's been a goal that I've been wanting ever since I was at, um, at Transide Park, so it's been over five years that I that there that I know that I can make it and that um, I'll get there. So um, I feel proud of myself of the, all the hard work and, and time that I and effort that I put in, just knowing that it's all been worth it just to get to get to where I want to be. Well, Hallie, thank you very much for joining us here at Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN 927's digital radio channel, Carnival. You've been very generous with your time, and we wish you all the very best as you take on Hawthorne this Saturday at Windy Hill. Thank you for having me. There's jumpers, hoodies, and tees for you at League Tees.
LeagueTees.com.au is your place for retro footy gear with designs created by local artists that you won't find anywhere else. Plus, their unique range of women's footy tees help raise funds for Indigenous literacy programs. Get online and start shopping today. LeagueTees.com.au You're listening to Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN 927's digital radio channel Carnival by the RSN Racing and Sport app and rsn.net.au. I'm Peter Holden. Thanks for your company. Time for our international women's footy wrap. And before we head over to our regular reporters in Ireland and England, respectively, a quick score check with what's happening over in Canada and the United States. First of all, we have no results from round two of the AFL Quebec Women's League, but we can tell you in round three, it's this Sunday, June 16, when the Montreal City Bluebells play host to the Notre Dame de Grace Giants. Over in the AFL Ontario women's uh, competition, round three played over the weekend, just the one game in, where Ottawa 4-8-32. The Swans defeating the Etobicoke Kangaroos 4-6-30. Looking ahead to round four, uh, the game is on Thursday night, 7pm at Humber College South, where the Etobicoke Kangaroos play host to the Central Blues, while on Saturday at 1pm at Mohawk Park, the Hamilton Wildcats play host the High Park Demons with the Ottawa Swans having the bye. Over to the United States, one game played in the US AFL where the combination team of the Arizona Hawks and Los Angeles Dragons defeated the Denver Lady Bulldogs 8-4-52 to 5-7-37 over in Colorado. Best player on ground in that game, Lalani Silvio from the LA Dragons. And joining us on the line now here at Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN 927's digital radio channel Carnival, calling in all the way from AFL London. It's great to have on the line Shannon Power. Shannon, how are you? I'm very well. How are you doing this week? Always great to talk footy, no matter whereabouts in the world it is. And we go back to London, June football, things really starting to ramp up. And let's have a look at what happened in the conference division, first of all, where the games were a little bit more one-sided compared to what happened in Premiership. And the London Swans with a big win over the Putney Magpies. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So um, this game we had, we had it down as a match of the round and we expected a lot closer result based on both teams having convincing wins in the league this season. The Swans cemented their spot at the top and they were the team to beat in conference this year and they had a pretty convincing win over Putney with Alice Bradley and Megan Burns being the best for the Swans. Um, Dee Kelly last year's conference Western Ferris was the best player for Putney and Alyssa Moore was the only multiple goal scorer with two goals in that game. The Swans 6-5-41, defeating Putney 1-1-7. The West London Wildcats couldn't get on the scoreboard as the Wandsworth Demons racked up a win. Yeah, both teams in this game, they really struggled this year. But the Demons, they did come out on top for their first win this season. Um, the scoreline obviously suggests they had control of the game and the Wildcats just couldn't match up. The Wildcats not even getting anything on the board there. Um, so that was uh, the Demons beating them 3-7-25. And again, well, the West London Wildcats not uh, getting a score. Let's flip across to the Premier Division. And uh, in the Premiership, the West London Wildcats and the North London Lions could not be separated. Yeah, absolutely. So this was quite a surprise, this game for us, um, for our first year in the Women's Premiership. This is the thought we might, the game that we thought might lead to a blowout based on the strength of the Lions um, and the Wildcats having played three games in a week. But it seems that it was quite a, a closely contested match. In, in that game, the midweek game. 
The final result there, 139 the Wildcats, 139 the Lions. Also another low scoring affair between the Giants and the Hawks, and it's Wimbledon who managed to pip the Giants by three points. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the Hawks came out firing after having had some pretty heavy losses in the earlier rounds. They took control of the game really early with a quick goal and kept control of it till half-time. But then after that half-time break, the Giants fought back in the second half um, and came back with a couple of goals. They had a few missed opportunities that could have swayed the game, but the Hawks held out in the end and they finished up winners by three points in that one. So the final score was 2-5-17 Giants with the Wimbledon Hawks getting three, two and 20 points there in the end. I think this round, um, you know, has defied all expectations. We knew there'd be good games going in, but what I think the games in the Premiership uh, really showed us this weekend was that the competition is really wide open and there's going to be a pretty big fight uh, to get into the top four in the ladies' Premiership there. Let's have a look ahead to this round of football. All games being played on Saturday, the 15th of June. We'll start in the Women's Conference. Uh, First of all, Clapham Demons versus the Putney Magpies uh, being played at Clapham Common. Yeah, so the Wandsworth Demons um, versus Putney. It's going to be hard to say how this one will go. Like, Putney have had some good wins this season, but based on their result last week, this match really could go either way. Putney do have a home advantage, so we'd expect them to pit the Demons in this game. Who knows how this one could turn out. At Hackney Marshalls, it's the Swans versus the Wildcats. Yeah, so the Swans playing at home this week and based on how strong they've started this season, we think they could actually come out quite comfortable winners against the Wildcats in that game. To the Premiership, where the Lions travel to Motspur Park to take on the Hawks. Yeah, so again, we've got a, another one here where the match could go either way. The Lions really have had mixed results and a two for four this season. But if the Hawks come out and play the way they did against the Giants, which is taking control early on, it could be really a very close match. And it could be the upset of, uh, of the round. If the Hawks could get up over the line if they do take control of the game. And a tough challenge for the South East London Giants when they play host of the Wandsworth Demons at Peckham Rye. That's right. So the Giants have their last home game for this season this weekend, and they're really going to be looking to make amends for last week's very small loss. We know that they, they backed it up with a win after a pretty uh, heavy loss to the Lions, so I think they've got something to prove this week. Uh, the Demons have been quite strong all season, so we expect this will be a tough battle for the Giants, um, but the Demons may just come out on top this weekend. Well, Shannon, thanks very much for joining us here at RSN 927's Digital Radio Channel Carnival. And we look forward to catching up with you next week when we take a look back at another round of the AFL London Women's Division. Awesome. Thanks so much, Peter. And joining us on the line now here at Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN 927's Digital Radio Channel Carnival to have a look at the AFL Island Women's Super 7s competition. It's great to have on the line Michael Curran. Michael, how are you? Hi again, Pete. How are you? All good here. Round two was played over the weekend of the Australian Tax Solutions uh, Super 7s. And before we go through game by game, the, the West Clare Waves just continue to be dominant in Ireland women's football. Yeah, that definitely appears to be the case, Peter. We had another 10 games on Saturday in round two of the Australian Tax Super 7s. Um, West Clare Waves came away with four wins from four again from the day. So maintaining a 100% record through the competition. And with a round to go, looking unlikely to be caught at the top of the table. Um, so, yeah, absolutely very impressive in all ways. And even more so is the fact that they are um, 
using new players through this competition. So it's, it's kind of a, a development comp and they've already had eight or nine new players come through in the last two rounds. But equally great performances from some of the other teams as well, uh, most notably one of the newer clubs, uh, West Dublin Garrisons. So it's all about the West at the weekend uh, with the Garrisons winning three out of four of their games as well. And they look like a strong force to be reckoned with going forward. Well, let's talk about that. Ironically, West Clare and West Dublin met in, in Game 1 and a high-scoring contest, but in the end, a uh, four-goal victory to West Clare. Yeah, Game 1 was, was Wales versus Garrison's and that came, uh, finished 5-8-38 to 2-2-14 to the Waves. Um, was a very good contested game in fairness. Um, Anya Staunton got two goals there for West Clare Waves. Uh, she's up at the top of the leading goal kicker chart still after the weekend and also goals for some of the new girls there, Claire Tierney. And we had Anya Tai playing at the weekend, who of course is off to Fremantle Dockers in, in the autumn. So she had her, made her debut and played incredibly well across the whole day, taking out a best on ground award. But for Garrisons, uh, equally with some very good players there um, all day long, Lauren Manning and Sinead Comfort in the centre, um, Lauren picking up a goal and also Mary Hurley with a goal there. So first game of the day, got the, the day off on a great footing. Um, with a win for the Waves. Uh, the Dublin Angels are five-goal winners over the Midland Tigers. And for Dublin, it's a side we're not talking about that often, but they're actually just one premiership point behind uh, the garrisons on the table. Yeah, absolutely. Angels went into the day second on the ladder behind uh, Waves, and at the end of round two, they're just one point behind garrisons um, in third position there. So they're still very much in the hunt for the, the medal spots come round three next month. Um, getting better all the time. Uh, same again, uh, using the sevens competition as a as a development and a recruitment comp, and they've had a few new players coming through there, including uh, Jackie Shields, who scored in this second game against Tigers, uh, making her debut on Saturday, and also taking out the, the best on ground award for Dublin Angels for the day. So great to see new players coming through like that and um, establishing establishing themselves in the team very quickly. And for Angels, we also had goals there for Hannah Quirk and Sorcha Nolan. West Clare Waves then backed up to be 18-point uh, winners over the Leffy Blues. Yeah, so game three, Waves versus Blues, 32 points to 14. Um, again, a good performance by the Blues. They got two goals uh, behind on the board, uh, but Waves hung out there for the win. Anya Tai was uh, in great form in this game, again, kicking two goals herself, uh, playing out of the centre. And also we had Maeve Clancy with two goals. And for Liffey Blues, we had um, both scores from Kim White and from Nicole Hara. Going across to Game 4, this is where the Garrisons beat the Angels by 19 points. And this, of course, would shoot the Garrisons above the Angels on the table. Absolutely, yeah. This was the game that probably um, jumped or leapfrogged Garrisons over Angels and was one of the cleanest games of the day. They kicked five goals, one behind 31, very sharp in front of goal. Uh, Lauren Mar- Manning again with two goals. Uh, she was the garrison's best on ground for the day. Mary Hurley with two goals and Olivia Arcade with a goal. Um, Angels also very clean in fairness in front of goals. Uh, no behind, so two goals, 12 um, uh, points total. And we had Sorsha Nolan and Hannah Quirk again. So yeah, a very good uh, game with Garrison's taking that battle of Dublin. And as you say, that probably was the game that ultimately saw them jump into second on the league table. And our first draw of round two, which saw uh, the Tigers and the Blues uh, tied at 2-2-14 apiece. Yeah, very evenly matched. Uh, the Tigers obviously were making their debut this weekend. And in effect, they're what we, what we would call a rejuvenate team. So there's a new group of girls in the Midlands. Um, but um, 
even though they're a new team, they're using a name of a previous um, men's club that had folded the Midland Tigers in an effort to just kickstart footy in general in that region again. So it's great to see that. We're also doing that uh, with North Inster Giants, uh, who didn't play at the weekend, but played previously. So, yeah, it was firstly out for the Tigers. It was a bit of a baptism on fire. The girls were brilliant all day. They battled hard all day long, and they got their just rewards with uh, their point here for a draw with Lippy Blues. Uh, the closest game for the West Clare Waves of the weekend was uh, Gang 6, where they defeated Dublin by 23 points. Yeah, it was 7-3-45 to 3-4-22. Not much in that at all. Literally a couple of kicks. Uh, but again, um, it's showing how close some of the teams are getting now at the top of the table there in terms of Dublin Angels, West Dublin Garrisons, West Clare Waves. But Waves are, again, still able to hang on. Um, Anya Thai with two goals. Anya Staunton with a goal. Bronya Quirk with a goal. Sarah Bahannon. Kira Tierney again and Lauren Bowles. So yeah, we had Angels then. It was a hat-trick for Michelle O'Hare for Dublin Angels kicking three goals there. So again, that was a great performance by her. But we have just hanging on to Nickers. Into Game 7, the Garrisons with a 21-point victory over the Tigers. Again, yeah, Garrisons were getting better as the day went on. Four goals, six behind 30. Um, two goals for Mary Hurley. A goal for Sinead Comfort, who was very strong through the middle of the ground all day long. And another goal for uh, Olivia Artes. And for the Tigers, we had a goal for, from Hannah Quirk, the 1-3 behind. So again, Tigers' best performance of the day. They were also improving as the day went on, uh, but the Garrisons hung on there for their second win. Well, the Angels racked up a uh, big victory, 47-8 to eight over the Blues. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, seven goals, five behinds. Um, three goals for Jackie Shields there, who, uh, as we mentioned earlier, was their best on ground for the day on her first uh, appearance. Um, the Blues had their goal through Brona Sheridan, uh, again, who was brilliant all day long and was uh, was the Blues' best on ground. Um, but 47 uh, points to eight, so a big win for Angels, and that was their second win of the day. So um, a, a big performance from them. Perhaps some tiring legs near the end of the weekend when the Waves could only manage a 16-point win over the Tigers. Yeah, it just goes to show on, on the performance of the day when you're playing four matches, it does um, take its toll, and equally so, for the likes of the new teams, such as the Tigers, by the time they get to their fourth game, they're, they're much improved with, with the momentum of the day behind them. So, yeah, that was probably one of the closer games of the day um, uh, with the Waves just holding on for the win over the Tigers. So, and in the final game of the weekend, the Garrisons uh, 4-5-29, defeating the Blues 1-3-9. Yeah, again, the Garrisons uh, finished as, as the start of the day and they were going for their third win. Impressive format, big performances all around the field again led by Captain Lisa Heavey, right through Sinead Comfort, Lauren Manning, um, a new player on the day again, Rian playing outstandingly well, and Brona Quinn, um, who made her debut the previous day and was their best in ground in round one. So, yeah, a big win to make it. Three wins from four for the Garrisons and to shoot them up to 21 points on the Super 7 league table and in second position, uh, still, with a, still with a shot of, Winning the league um, numerically, uh, although it's unlikely, but the real battle there seems to be between West Dublin Garrisons and Dublin Angels for that um, for those silver medals. Looking at the best on grounds for round two, um, who took out the title for each side? So we had, as uh, we mentioned there a couple of times, uh, for Dublin Angels, we had um, two players tying for the best on ground. We had Jackie Shields, who was making her debut, and she kicked a, a bag full of goals for the day as well. And we also had Michelle, Michelle Curley, who is actually um, a sister of Ashley Curley, uh, currently playing at, at Collingwood in the VFLW. Um, her twin sister, actually. So, yeah, Michelle was back 
having played a few games last year in the Premiership, she's now back for um, the next couple of rounds, hopefully, and playing very well. Um, we had, for the Liffey Blues, their captain leading by example, brilliant all day, Brona Sheridan. For Midland Tigers, uh, the same Tina Wright, uh, despite only getting uh, one draw for the day, um, was ferocious in defence and tackling and effort all day long. And uh, for West Dublin Garrisons, it was their central player, Lauren Manning. And for West Clare Waves, the best thing round for the day was Anya Tide. And I guess coming up next, Michael, for Irish women's football, it's the Euro Cup. Yeah, well, our attention turns to the Euro Cup and I'm actually due to announce the Irish Banshee squad now in the next two or three days. We were just holding on to see how things went in round two. So the focus now swiftly turns to Euro Cup on June 29th in Nartalja. Um, very exciting for the girls. We're looking at a lot of new players being on the squad and a lot of uh, the competition being used as a, as a development comp. Really, we potentially have nine new players making their Ireland debuts for the Banshees. So, yeah, that's, uh, attention turns to Nartalja and the logistics of getting everybody to Sweden now. And we very much look forward to that. And the final round of the Super 7 then is on the following week when we return back to Dublin on July 6th. But, yeah, for now, it's um, all eyes on Sweden and everybody's looking forward to heading up there for what should be an, another cracking Euro Cup. Well, Michael, thanks again for joining us here on RSN 927's Digital Radio Channel Carnival. And we look forward to catching up with you again in a few weeks' time. Look forward to speaking to you as always, Peter. Thanks very much. Now time to come back home and do our state leagues wrap. A number of leagues actually had the bye over the Queen's birthday long weekend. We can tell you over in WA with the WAFL women's competition. They've got round six coming up this weekend. Uh, Saturday, 2.45pm, it's still Blue Ovals. One districts play host to Pill Thunder. While on Sunday, Subiaco play host to Claremont at Leaderville Oval. That game getting underway at 3pm. And the Tasmanian State League women's competition. Round seven has played uh, this weekend all games on Sunday, 12pm at Twin Ovals Tigers versus Clarence, 12.30pm at KGV, Glenorchy versus Launceston, while at Inverbay Park at 1 o'clock, North Launceston play host to Lauderdale on the Canberra first grade women's competition, round 7 is this weekend on Saturday at 1.15 at Football Park, Eastlake play host to Gungarland, 3.45pm at Allen Ray Oval, Ainsley play host to Belconnen, or 3.45 on Sunday at Greenway Oval Tugranong play host to Quimby and now joining us on the line here to have a look at the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division. It's great to have on the line Lauren Hodgson. Lauren, how are you? Yeah, well, thanks, Peter. How are you? Feeling refreshed after a long weekend. How about yourself? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. I mean, it's always nice to have the break, but, uh, you know, it's even better when, uh, when there's footy on, on the weekend. Well, let's have a look at round nine that's going to... Let's have a look at round nine that's going to be played this weekend. Uh, we begin on Saturday at Cambridge Oval, 9 o'clock, kicking the dew off the grass. The East Coast Eagles playing host to Inner West Magpies. Yeah, look, it's going to be a tough one for the Magpies, I think, Peter, um, and probably even made them more tougher, even if just mentally, because they've got to kick, uh, kick the dew off the grass, as you said, at 9 o'clock. Um, the Eagles are flying along. Um, you know, they're, they're one of the dominant teams of the competition in their first year in, in Premier Division. And um, I think they're going to have a, a big win over the Magpies um, on the weekend. 10.40am at Village Green, the UNSW Eastern Suburbs Bulldogs versus Macquarie University. Yeah, well, this could be a really uh, interesting game, Peter. Um, you know, the Bulldogs probably haven't played their best 
the uh, the last couple of matches. Uh, but I think if they can get up there, um, it should be a, a close one. However, I'm still tipping uh, McUni by uh, three or four goals. At 12.20pm at Waratah Oval, the Southern Power play host to the Sydney Uni Bombers. Yeah, look, uh, look, it obviously helps power playing at home, I think. Um, they, they do play a lot better when they're at Waratah. Um, obviously, uh, the Uni Bombers um, didn't have their best game when they played UTS back before the break, although they still came away with the win. Uh, so power can be playing their best. Um, I think they're in with a chance. They did beat Sydney Uni last year. Uh, however, I think Sydney might be just too good and uh, I think they'll get the win over the power. And finally, 2pm at Waverley Oval. It's the UTS Bats versus the Newtown Breakaways. Yeah, look, potentially this could be the um, the game of the round in terms of closeness of margin, Peter. Um, obviously, um, you know, Newtown haven't had a, a great season and whilst UTS have been competitive, um, you know, the, the results aren't showing for them on the scoreboard. Um, but, look, I think UTS will uh, will get the win this week and, uh, unfortunately, deliver more pain for the breakaways. Well, Lauren, thanks very much for joining us here at Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival, and we look forward to catching up with you next week when we review Round 9. Yeah, looking forward to it, Peter. We are the Australian Literacy and Numeracy Foundation, striving to empower our most marginalised communities through literacy and education. Literacy is having a voice. Literacy is opportunity. Literacy is dreaming big. Literacy is freedom. Today, you can help end inequality and give every child access to our life-changing and proven literacy programs. Your support is vital. Donate now at alnf.org. And joining us on the line now from AFL Queensland to take a look back at round eight of the Bond University QAFLW, we've got on the line Ant Wingard. Ant, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Always feeling good when it's June and it's football because we've got the middle of the QAFLW season. We kicked off round eight with a thriller between Yoronga South Brisbane and Cullingatta Tweed. Yeah, you're right. It, it was a thriller, obviously, that just a three points separated the two teams uh, in the end. Oh, sorry, two points. Uh, my bad. In the end, and yeah, it was it was a real seesawing affair. You know, I think Cool and Gattatweet got the real fast break in the game. A few goals through uh, Bree McFarlane, who's who's in some good form on her way back from injury, but obviously Yorongo too good in the end, and they kind of chipped away in the in the second half and got a good win. Which you know, I know we talked last week about how important it was in each team's uh, scope of the season, and um, now Cool and Gatta for them it means they've only won once in their past four games, which might be a bit concerning, even though, you know, they have played some pretty good football and obviously for Yoronga to kind of bolster themselves in the top two is obviously a positive for them. And Jessie Keefe in her first game for Yoronga at South Brisbane, named as best on ground for the Devils. Yeah, she was really good. I, went, I was just watching that game back um, on, on Sunday morning and just her ability, obviously, in the ruck to, to kind of transition in play and really be that hit-up uh, lead target when the Devils are moving out of defence and then also find the ball herself and, and hit those short 45. She was really exceptional for the Devils. Final scores there, Yoronga South Brisbane, 6-5-41, defeating Cullingatta Tweed, 5-9-39. Cross to our second game, Bond University, big winners over Apsley. Now, the margin in this game was obviously pretty significant, but 
I feel like the scoreline doesn't really tell the full story of the game. I thought Ashley really were in the contest and, and really did put up a hard fight against, you know, obviously a, a pretty talented Bond University side. Um, you know, obviously it, it's good for Bond to kind of extend their run at the top of the table. And Aspley, you know, they they still are struggling, obviously, in the scoreboard. But I think they have so many positives to take away from the game. You know, their, their midfield pressure and their ability to kind of just just withstand constant inside 50s and for their defense to stand tall um, for so long like they did against Bond. You know, I think things are really in the work for Aspley. And hopefully they can get back on the winner's list uh, sometime soon. For Bond University, their leading goal kicker, Glenda Howworth, with four for uh, Apsley. It was uh, kicking all three goals, Michaelia Campbell. Uh, best player on ground, the doc, Tiana Ernst for Bond University. Yeah, Ernst was, was really great. And obviously when Apsley were able to, to get those link-up plays through the midfield and move it inside 50, more often than not it was Ernst who was mopping up for, for Bond and she played a really great game. And obviously Kindy down forward, Bob's up with four goals. Um, a lot of them are kind of, you know, out the back um, when the bull sharks are moving at fast. No, Aaron Sundstrom, uh, you know, passed off one to her. So, you know, obviously good for Kindy, who's, you know, I, I feel like she's getting some interest from from the Suns ahead of their um, inaugural AFLW season. So hopefully, hopefully she can continue her form. Final scores there, Bond University 12-375, defeating Apsley 3-6-24. Cooper Roo, big winners over UQ Red Lions. Yeah, a good result for Cooper Roo, who, uh, a bit like Yurunga, they, they kind of bolstered their, their selves um, for the season after probably a, a bit of a slow start, an unexpected start for a team like Cooper Roo, but obviously a really good performance against UQ, who, I feel like they're a bit hard done by in the game, a bit like Astley, um, the scoreline doesn't really reflect their efforts. Um, UQ were kind of battling hard all day. They lost a few players early through injury. Nat Grider played um, through a bit of a knock that she copped um, during the game. But um, obviously that, that kind of takes Toll and Cooper who were able to capitalise. And probably the, the most pleasing thing for the game was the return of Tani White. who She, she was unlimited minutes, um, her first Quaffle W game back from an ACL, um, she even popped up just wishing a fern alone inside 15. She went back and kicked the goal. So that's probably the moment of the weekend for me. And to our final game of round eight, Marucci Dor, two goals winners over Wilston Grange. Now, I'm not sure if you know, but over the weekend, we had a bit of rain, but up at the Sunshine Coast, I feel like that game was, was probably affected more than any other. And, you know, the play really showed it was a real contested affair, real scrappy. The, the premium on outside ball was at an absolute high and obviously Maruchador were the ones that were able to, to move forward and, uh, and you know, make, make a bit of a statement on the scoreboard, albeit inconsistently. And I think Maruchador, we can, we can really say they have a wood over the side now. Obviously, they beat Wilson Grange earlier in the season. But to do again on their home deck in the wet, um, it's pleasing signs for them who... You know, last last year they they struggled a bit and only won the one game in round one. So to to kind of show that much improvement this year and against the reigning premier on two occasions, it's massive signs for Marichal, um, who kind of they're a bit of a dark horse on the race. I'd, I'd say this year. Marich Dill with three, three points down at uh, half-time before coming away to win 4-9-33 to 3-3-21. Rachel Crack with a goal and best on ground for the Roos. Yeah, she's she's one of the one of the roos that 
you know, she's kind of been in their program for a while and um, was, was probably among their most consistent players last year. But um, with their talent in Fox over the summer, she's really taken her game to another level. And it's great to see her, you know, kind of getting the plaudits that, that she deserves after, you know, such a, a strong season um, plus for Maruchador. So let's have a look ahead to round nine. All games being played this Saturday, June 15th. Old rivals, Coolangatta Tweed and Cooparoo go head-to-head 2pm at Exum Oval. This will be a, a really interesting game because obviously Coolangatta, they're playing such good footy, but they can't finish off games. And you know they've dropped three of their last four. Um, and it really is a, a crucial contest against Cooparoo who you know kind of enter the game in a pretty good run of form themselves and um, it's probably worth noting not just for this one but uh, for, for most of the games that, or for all of the games in fact that a lot of the under-18 talent uh, will be out. They play some games over in, in WA over the weekend so a host of talented youngsters out of Crossel W action this week and you know, for, for Cooper that means Ellie Hampson and, and Charney White among a few others and they're pretty significant losses I thought Ellie Hampson was really good against UQ last week so it'll definitely be interesting to see how both sides kind of adjust um, in, in a crucial contest this week. 2pm at Maroochydore, big test for the Roos as they play host to Bond University. Yeah, and like you said, it's, it's a massive test for, for the Roos and probably a, a good contest to kind of gauge how much the Maroochydore um, have improved this year. Obviously, Bond um, are probably the most improved side. They missed finals last year and are really the team to beat thus far in 2019. So... Uh, It's a hard one to read, but I I probably fancy Bonds again. um, I just think, you know, aside from that under-18 talent, um, Bonds probably have the most talented list in the competition. Girls like Ernst and Laura Attard in the midfield, Molly Ritson. um, They really have all bases covered, and I think they'll just go from strength to strength and get a win against Marichidor. 2.45pm at Leishon Park, Yeronga South Brisbane up against Wilston Grange. Yeah, I, I, I kind of expect Yeronga to win. I, I feel like, you know, the names that they're getting back, obviously Jesse Keith uh, played her first game last week and um, just watching their performance against Kool Gather, they're, they're really clicking um, as a group and I feel like that's in part um, due to their coach, Aaron Russell, who's come on board this year and um, you can just tell the, the mood around the group has changed. And I suppose that's a bit the same for Wilson Grange, who really overhauled their culture um, over the summer. And um, Yeah, hopefully hopefully it's a, a close contest, but I, I just feel like the Aronga um, are really looking to make a statement. Obviously, they did it two weeks ago against Bond University, but um, just to kind of entrench themselves in the, in the top of the ladder as well. Hopefully, well, I, I expect the Devils to get a win there. And finally, 3pm at Voxen Oval, Apsley versus the UQ Red Lions. Perhaps maybe a slight opportunity for the Hornets to try and get back on the winner's list. I, I certainly hope so. You know, they, they have been playing some really, really good footy. And I know we've mentioned a couple of times, the results just haven't fallen their way. But I feel like this week they really have an opportunity to, to make a statement. And, you know, even if that isn't, you know, winning the four points at the end of the day, it's... Um, just, you know, winning a couple of quarters and, and really, you know, showing that, you know, they are a Quaffle W caliber side. Because I feel like everyone at Athlete knows they are, but the results just aren't showing that. And 
I know you, you um, gave a bit of a touch-up early in the season, so hopefully the Hornets have kind of learned some things from that contest and, you know, will improve and hopefully we'll get a cracker um, up in Brisbane's north this weekend. Well, and thanks very much for joining us here at Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN 927's digital radio channel Carnival. And we look forward to catching up with you next week when we review round nine of the Bond University QAFLW. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Joining us on the line now here at RSN 927's digital radio channel Carnival to discuss another round of Swiss Wellness VFL Women's Football. We've got on the line our lead caller, the man that was there for our 200th match broadcast, the one and only Matthew Cox. Yeah, Pete, uh, still celebrating after our 200th uh, broadcast on the weekend. And it was a great match too. I know we're going to review it in a minute, the Carlton Northern Territory Thunder Clash. But as we remarked on the weekend, probably the most intense and exciting games, uh, game to have watched of VFLW in recent memory, just given how both sides were incredibly desperate for the footy. Yes, let's have a look at that. The opening game of the round where NT Thunder 8-5-53 defeated Carlton 7-4-46. Now, I rarely talk about the surface of the ground having anything to do with the game, but do you think, because it's a brand-new sporting complex out there at La Trobe University, they've moved the football over from where it used to be by a couple of hundred metres. Um, do you actually think that how great that ground surface was, it was almost like a lawn bowls green, that it constituted fast football? Uh, potentially. It, it's not a bad point to raise, but uh, you could argue the same thing when we went to Moorabbin earlier in the year to see the Southern Saints in Collingwood, and that really didn't produce the uh, similar sort of game style. I just think it was two sides that were looking to prove a point uh, on Saturday as to why we got such a close contest, um, and it was even throughout the game. Carlton searching for their first win of the season, the Northern Territory rebound after a poor performance against Collingwood the week before. They were just hungry for the footy. Um, their structures were, were holding up fairly well. Carlton were trying a few things in the second half to try and uh, gain momentum back into their hands. So there was uh, there was a lot going on out on the park. And I just think that made it a really intriguing contest. And looking at the, the scorecard, as I said, it was even right throughout the day. Thunder led a quarter time. Carlton led at half time three-quarter time was back in favour of the Northern Territory Thunder, but these are all incredibly small margins that uh, that the sides were leading with. And then, as you said, 8 by 53 to 7 four forty six. At the end of it, for the Thunder, their goal kickers on the weekend, Holtz, Irvine, Riley, Hooganville, Hill, and Michaelia Roberts with the sealer at the end, just coming out of the, the pack, somehow creating space and then putting it through the big sticks. Uh, a nice little goal from her. For Carlton, all individual goal kickers, Cassar, Clifford, Jarvis, Moody, Plain, Stevens, and Wright. I think the pleasing thing for Carlton, despite not getting the win on the weekend, is the fact that they had a nice even spread of goals, which has been something that they have struggled in the early part of the season. Uh, Chelsea Randall back in the Northern Territory Thunder lineup after missing the game against Collingwood racked up 31 touches on the weekend, also laid five tackles. Madison Presparkis, who also returned to the park on the weekend for the VFLW for the first time in 2019, racked up 29 touches and also laid five tackles. Bowley was prominent, as was Jess Hosking, who I was really impressed with the way that she played almost a full back role 
on the weekend. She was marking every time uh, the Thunder would send it in, especially in the first half when they were having long kicks towards the goal square. Hosking was just planting herself underneath it, swallowing it and able to set up play for Carlton. So she had a really impressive performance for the Blues on the weekend. One injury concern coming out of the match, and that was for Carlton right on the siren. Uh, Jess Edwards, the former Collingwood VFLW captain, uh, was on the ground for um, some minutes before finally getting up with her arm virtually in a sling and uh, having to use the green whistle. Yeah, haven't seen any other updates uh, to suggest what exactly the injury was, but you'd think considering uh, she was given the green whistle and the length of time that she was on the ground uh, post the final siren, you'd suggest that it is a serious injury of some nature. So I doubt to see her uh, pull on the Guernsey this weekend, uh, albeit if she has a miraculous recovery or, or the scans have cleared her. But uh, as I said, I haven't seen anything to suggest she did have her arm in the sling, which I think suggests either it's a collarbone or, or some sort of uh, arm injury. We move to the next game, which was the video stream match. Williamstown, 4-8-32, went down to Melbourne University, 6-7-43. But it was tight near the end, and there was almost a feeling that the Seagulls were going to cause an upset down at Downer Oval. Yeah, and that's despite uh, Melbourne University having more scoring shots, uh, particularly in the first quarter. They had five behinds on the board. Williamstown were actually in front, uh, 1-1-7. So a two-point margin to their favour at quarter time and gradually the Muggers worked their way back into the game. They uh, started to straighten up, didn't kick it behind after half time. So they ran away with it. As you said, the Seagulls did come very, very close and uh, would have had the Muggers sweating, but uh, they were able to get the job done in the end. Their goal kickers on the weekend, Angelus Bannister, Bresnahan, Cox, Gibson, Whitford, whilst two goals came for Whiting, who's been very impressive for the Seagulls in the early part of the season. Anderson and Hurd were their other goal kickers. Player stats from the weekend. Moana Hope dominated. Uh, 39 touches, 28 kicks, 11 handballs, also laid three tackles and took two marks. Uh, only kicked a minor score, but had a lot of the footy. Alicia Newman was also prominent on the weekend with 22 touches. The leading possession getter was Jess Trend for the Muggers uh, with 19. But uh, a good performance from Williamstown, encouraging signs. It wasn't the full-strength uh, Melbourne University outfit. They did have some uh, handy players selected, though, still. So to be able to put up a fight as they did is definitely encouraging for Williamstown. The Western Bulldogs sit on top of the table and they put away Darabin, 5-6-36 to 1-2-8. It took until the third quarter for Darabin to get their only goal on the board through Samara David. Uh, The Bulldogs pretty much in control. It's not a comprehensive victory uh, given the scoreboard, but when you look at the possession uh, statistics, 57% to 43, it is a slight dominance to the Bulldogs with ball in hand. Could have potentially had uh, a bigger margin and a bigger percentage booster uh, had they been a little more accurate on the scoreboard. But nonetheless, they've got another victory under their belt and are just going along at the moment. They're not doing anything 
too flashy. They're just uh, racking up the wins when it counts. So it'll be interesting to see where they feature come the end of the season if this form continues and if they start to get back some of their star players as well. Gavilus, Jolly, Sandral, Ward and Wilds were their goal kickers on the weekend. Leading disposal getter was uh, Gavilus with 23 touches in addition to her goal on the weekend. Lauren Pierce uh, continues her impressive run with the Darabin Falcons. Of course, she was uh, quite prominent on Best and Fairest night last year in the VFLW and seems to be continuing that form again. She had 22 touches on the weekend, but also 23 hitouts. Um, even though McMahon for the Bulldogs had 29, but she was uh, much handier around the ground, uh, Lauren Pierce, uh, with her ability to not only uh, use her size, but also uh, athleticism, which uh, is a great feature of hers. The other unbeaten side of the competition is the Richmond Tigers. They were 8-7-55 when they knocked off Geelong 5-3-33. And it was really the, the second quarter in this game that that got them going. They were 2-1 at quarter time and then uh, put on, what's that, five goals uh, in the second term to get a nice little buffer to just one behind from the Cats. So that's uh, another good win for, for the Tigers. As you said, they've, they've impressed early. They lost to GWS in that invitational game. We can't forget that. It's not an official game for premiership points, but um, they do have some sort of a blemish so far this season in terms of when it comes to premiership points. They are undefeated. The coal kickers on the weekend, Colwell, Jacques, or both kick two, Gunn, Kennedy, Stall Smith, who has been great up forward and I believe leads the goal kicking two so far this year with nine. Wakefield also currently uh, also a goal kicker for the Tigers on the weekend. Maguire kicked two for the Cats, Crockett Grills, Purcell and Webster. Uh, some of their goal kickers on the weekend. Nice to see Crockett Grills and Purcell, a couple of their young stars coming through, having an impact on the scoreboard. Purcell also got some touches uh, on the weekend, 23, 16 kicks, seven handballs, also laid seven tackles. The leading possession on the ground, though, was Monique Conti donning the yellow and black uh, once again, as uh, now she's part of that side. 29 touches she racked up on the weekend, uh, also laying five tackles. Katie Brennan also up there as well when it comes to disposals, having 22 on the weekend. Didn't kick a major, just two behinds from her on the weekend. And in the final match of the round, which we saw at Casey Fields, uh, the Demons 5-1-31 just fell to Collingwood 5-5-35. Safe to say, an ugly win for the Pies. They were near full strength and just really couldn't put away Casey. Yeah, they were, although they were missing uh, Lambert, Livingston, Casey, just a couple of the, the names that weren't in that side, but they did get back Steph Chiocci on the weekend um, and also Grace Bucken. So there were some handy names still out on the park when you also add in Bree Davey and Chloe Malloy backing up for their second game in black and white colours in the VFLW in 2019. Curious looking at the uh, possession stats for this game, 50%. So half and half spread here. And the Casey Demons definitely had their opportunities. I think the one thing that I took away from this game, and it was for both sides, is that neither were very confident with ball in hand. They weren't uh, prepared to attack the game or, or take it on. Don't know whether that had to do with the weather conditions. There were, was a slight breeze favouring uh, one end of the ground. But and as mentioned, during the, as mentioned during the call, I'll just jump in there, were also both critical of the ruck work. Yes, 
uh, which I think you you picked up on early in the game, but didn't let any of us know until uh, very late in the game. Uh, but two two young rucks uh, or ruck women um, out on the park. I think Zanka was doing a fair bit of it, um, as well Wimbanks. as Wimbanks. Yes, Wimbanks, the the other one there, for, and King for uh, Collingwood was uh, the dominant ruck there for Collingwood. So some inexperience when it comes to that, which means there wasn't uh, clean usage coming away from um, contests, which is probably why we got so many of them throughout the game. Um, But yeah, as you said, it it was an ugly win for Collingwood. They'll be happy to get over the line. It was quite tight in that final quarter and definitely a game Casey could have won. And I just wonder where that has them sitting now uh, after five rounds of footy. I know they've uh, been fairly dominant. Uh, they've had some good wins, uh, a couple of close calls as, as well along that journey and, and obviously a loss in there as well and now to Collingwood on the weekend. They could factor come the end of the season. I think if they can get some experience back into that side, it would hurt, certainly help some polish because definitely the Melbourne listed players out on the park on the weekend were more of their youth. Uh, for Collingwood, uh, they just need to find their mojo. They sounded at Victoria Park uh, last weekend against the Thunder and sort of uh, went back into a, a, a rut, similar style, if you like, to the Southern Saints, although they were able to get on the scoreboard on the weekend. So I'm not... Uh, I was very uh, pleased with Collingwood coming away from Victoria Park, but I'm not, not so sure after the weekend's performance. Hopefully it was only a blip on the radar. They're two goal kickers on the weekend. Kiochi kicked two, Dargan two, Bucken the other goal kicker, whilst Giron kicked two for Casey, Cordner, Kemp and Smith were their goal kickers. Uh, the leading possession getter on the ground, Bree Davey, racked up 24 touches on the weekend. Just like Collingwood, though, wasn't as flashy as what she was the week before. Libby Birch was also impressive for the Casey Demons, racking up 20 touches, laid 13 tackles on the weekend and took three marks as well. Uh, a couple of injury concerns coming out of the game for Casey. Uh, we had Ainsley Kemp came from the ground a couple of times, which with what looked like a lower leg issue. And on the weekend during the call, we we uh, picked up a player that came from the ground on the stretcher with a neck brace. We weren't able to identify who that was at this stage. Since then, uh, read through social media that it was Bent Belzen that came from the ground uh, in uh, a, a lot of pain and, and discomfort. So we wish her all the best with uh, that injury, again, don't know the extent of it, but we do know that she came from the ground after being stabilised for a fairly long time out, out on the ground in a neck brace. Absolutely. We do wish for a uh, full and speedy recovery for her. Let's uh, have a look ahead to the next round. I'll just mention that the Southern Saints, Essendon and Hawthorne did have the bide there in round five. As we go to round six, it all starts 10.30am at Icon Park on Saturday when Carlton play host to the Western Bulldogs. This is uh, intriguing for me because the Bulldogs are undefeated, as we alluded to a little earlier. Carlton are searching for their first win of the 2019 season. And based on the form last week, I think it's not too far away for the Blues. And I actually think they can get over the line against the Bulldogs. As I mentioned before, the, the Dogs haven't done anything too impressive to start the season. So I'm not 100% convinced uh, with their form at the moment. I think the way the Blues played with a bit of passion 
uh, on Saturday, they should be able to get the job done. And that will be the vfl.com.au video stream game. Uh, Saturday, 11.30am at Windy Hill, Essendon versus Hawthorne. Yeah, this this is an interesting contest. The Bombers are technically coming off a win, uh, given they had a bye last weekend. So they're going to be up and about with a bit of confidence against the Hawks, who beat them both times in their encounters last year. Uh, I'm going to go with the Hawks. I think the, the bye would have been a good time just to, to straighten things up for them. They haven't had a, the best of starts to 2019 and to kick off their premiership defence, but I think they're going to face a real fight against the Bombers, and this is going to be a lot tighter than what those two encounters that we saw last year, uh, how they unfolded. Saturday, 12pm at Preston City Oval. We'll be live on air from 11am. It's 13th versus 3rd. The Darabin Falcons up against Collingwood. Yeah, I can't see Darabin getting out of the line in this one. It'll depend largely on the, the side that Collingwood puts out on the park and how many stars they decide to keep in or, or leave out. So given Bree Davey also had a bit of a knock late in the game with her leg uh, on the weekend. So curious to see the team that they do put out there, given the Falcons, I believe, are currently sitting on the bottom of the ladder, which we remarked on the weekend. That's got to be one of the first times in a very long time that's happened in the top level of Victorian women's football. Um, and unfortunately, I don't see it getting any better in the, the short term. I think Collingwood should win this and, and need to make a little bit of a statement, I feel. So this could be a bit of a belting the way of the pies. Saturday, 4pm at TIO Stadium in Darwin, live via the AFL NT stream. Have a look for it on YouTube. The NT Thunder play host to Richmond. Yeah, a another, another intriguing game. Richmond's undefeated so far for Premiership points this season. The Thunder, uh, they'll get some good momentum coming out of the game at Bandura on the weekend and hopefully should get back some of the players that did go out of the side. They had 10 changes going into the game against Carlton on the weekend due to various commitments and a few injury niggles affecting some of their star players. So hopefully, given the week off and given they're back in the Northern Territory this weekend, fingers crossed they should have a, a pretty competitive list out on the park because they are going to need it against the Richmond Tigers who are currently fit and firing. I'm going to lean the way of the home side but I'd prefer to leave this tip until I see uh, the, the squads named on Thursday night. And the standalone game on the Sunday, 12pm at Trevor Barker Beach Oval in Sandringham. We'll be live on air from 11am again on RSN Carnival 2 Digital Radio and WARFradio.com. For the second week in a row, we've got a fourth versus fifth battle that shows how much the ladder is changing. The Southern Saints versus Melbourne University. I'll tell you what, Pete, you're killing me with these early starts. Uh, the Southern Saints uh, also coming off the bye on the weekend uh, should get the job done. Again, it's a, it's a strange one with Melbourne University because they have been competitive, but it also depends what side gets put out onto the park and how many AFLW players that are, that are in there. So, again, I'm going to hold fire on the tip, I think it's going to be a very tight contest. A little similar 
if you like, to the Southern Saints Casey game a couple of weeks ago where it was was fairly tight between the two. Um, but I'm going to, yeah, reserve judgment on this one just until I see the team shapes come out on Thursday night because I think it will depend whether Melbourne University decide to stack their side with AFLW talent or just continue with the uh, couple that they've got in. And the three teams with the bye for this round, Williamstown, Casey and Geelong. Well, that wraps up our look at the Swiss Wellness VFL Women's Competition for Round 5 and preview of Round 6. And, Coxie, we look forward to your company this weekend as we present two big games Saturday and Sunday from 11am right here on RSN Carnival on the Carnival 2 channel and WARFradio.com. Yeah, looking forward to it, Pete. And uh, as always, you can get the coffee. And that concludes another episode of Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN 927's digital radio channel Carnival for yet another week. Don't forget this program is available as a podcast on Thursday mornings by going to rsn.net.au and then clicking on the Women's Australian Rules Football page or downloading from iTunes, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud or Spotify and searching for Women's Australian Rules Football Radio. Find us on Twitter or Facebook by just going at the end slash WARF Radio or our website WARFradio.com. Until next Wednesday at 6 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time, it's bye for now.